Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. I'm your host, Ted Harrington, and with me here today is our special guest, Aaron Day. Aaron is the CEO of Amaze. Aaron, thanks so much for joining the show. Ted, thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. I'm excited to talk to you about the idea of mission statements and vision statements because when you and I were chatting recently, you you expressed the tagline that you guys have, which truly is a, a vision statement or a mission statement. And I thought it was really awesome because it, it's so well captured what it is that what you guys are trying to do. And it's not that I'm necessarily trying to say like, hey, let's talk only about your company, but more about that's a really cool process. Like, how did you get to be able to crystallize so simply what the mission is? Because I think a lot of people listening to the show themselves are building companies and they're like, well, how do I make sure my customers or prospective customers understand what it is that we do? So maybe you could start there. Like, tell, tell us about how did you get to this really cool tagline? I mean, of course, tell us what it is and let's, let's break it down because I think it's really cool. Yeah, sure. Great question. So to start off with, our mission is to enable anyone to sell anything anywhere with simple tools that connect. So you think about, you know, the, that simple statement took, it took a long time to put it together, but the idea was enable anyone. So small businesses, creators, makers, influencers, anybody trying to sell something online, enable anyone. So how do we, how do we make it super simple for them to do that? Enable anyone to sell anything. Anything is the strategy of everyone is talking about today. How do you help creators monetize? So help anyone sell anything. And so how do you connect? And this is, if you, if you look at our website, you see create, connect, and amaze. So connect. And, and it's a big part of our strategy about connecting people, developing this thing we call the appreciation economy. So a lot of thought went into that, that piece, enable anyone to sell anything anywhere. How do you, how do you, how do you simply allow someone to share things on any platform, any marketplace, any social channel? And then make it super, super simple. So you think about that, it's a very simple statement, but it, there's a lot of a lot of thought that goes into it under the hood. And it actually drives our product decisions as a company. So we we use it every day in our strategy and our thinking. But what went into it was us sitting down and really we we talked to hundreds of customers and hundreds of partners and said, look, what is it that you're trying to do, you know, in, in the business and how how can we help you? And it just kept resonating over and over again through conversations that we need to be the simple tool that allows everyone to connect and empower commerce, right? So that's that's sort of how it came to be. And I'm super excited about it because every one of our employees can say it and know what it means and it helps helps our focus, so. Yeah. So what I heard you describe is I'm trying to think of, as you were talking through it, like how do we have someone else who's listening to this do it themselves? And so some of the things I heard you talk about were, well, you identified who your audience was, you identified what mattered to them, you identified how you wanted to deliver the thing to them, whatever the thing is. And then sort of the combination of all those things were the result of interviewing your customers. Like, did, did I correctly summarize kind of how you got to this simple statement? That's a very good summary. The one thing maybe you're missing is passion. I think before we did any of it, we sat down as a team and said, you know, we've got this tech 
what are we passionate about? You know, so we enjoy every day of our lives, you know, in our job, right? I mean, we have a mission here, but we also want to love where we work. So I think we started with what's our passion and under the hood, our passion is to help small businesses, you know, creators, people starting off, be able to do something better. You know, I don't want to say help the little person, but I mean, help the person that's trying to become something bigger, right? Empower them, right? And that's and that's really what we started off with our passion. And then it went through the, the rest of the process that you described. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Passion's a hard thing to identify, right? Like you kind of, you know what it is in your gut, but how do you then put it into words? And then especially when you're talking about a whole company of people who maybe the passions aren't exactly the same. How did you get to that? How did you... I guess, identify that common passion across, I guess, probably starting with the leadership team, but how did you do it? Well, honestly, it's it's like how we how we recruited the leadership team. Myself and Laura Haynes, who's our, our chief product officer and one of, one of our board members, we sat down and said, look, you know, what kind of company do we want? And the first one was passion driven, right? We, 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 we want to work with people who are aligned. And so when we went out, we, we started hiring, you know, senior leaders to help, you know, build and scale the company we were really diligent and thinking about like, do they have the same passion as us? Can, can they, do they wake up in the morning thinking about, you know, this mission and is it something that they just really care about? And, and so, so passion was something that we, it's part of our core being, right? I mean, we, we want to help people be successful and, and it drives what we do. So that, that was, that was, so for anybody, you know, listening, I think you think about like, you know, what you want to do in your, in your business yeah, you want to make money, you want to be successful, you want to you want to see evaluation go up a lot, but uh, it's so much easier to create a, a a team that that excels if if everyone's aligned to your passion, you know. So that's that's really important to me. So yeah, that's pretty fascinating, and I'm interested too in the way that you talked about how by arriving at this sort of vision or mission statement, it helps guide in practical way daily decisions. One of the things we have in our business, we're building a, a software tool, and we've noticed as we're building this that uh, some customers want something, and other customers want something that's the polar opposite, literally in conflict with each other. And we've struggled to say, well, what, what do we do? You know, maybe the simplest way to think about it might be one customer says we want the, com the most complex way to do it. And another customer says we want the most simple way to do it. And how do you serve both? And so we went through a similar process of trying to identify, well, what is our vision? What are we trying to achieve? So after you I'm asking selfishly, but also for everyone listening. So once you went through this process, you identified this uh, statement and you now use it to implement decisions on a daily basis. How do you know that it's doing its job? Oh, that's, that's a good question. It's a tough question to answer. And so let's, let's maybe break it down a bit, right? So the way we look at it, we, we, we took this mission and said, there's three components of the tech. So there's sort of three big boxes that we are going to have to do really, really well. We're going to have to create, you know, amazing design creation tools that allow people to create something really simply. So what audience and what customer base is going to start there first? And what does that look like? Then we said, we, we have to have really, really good connection tools. So we have to have APIs and, and integration processes in place and security processes in place that allow us to, to, to make that connection piece great. And then we, we have to think about our customer and which customers really care about something we use. And I, we haven't talked about it, but this appreciation economy. Appreciation economy in our mind is like a part of the creator economy. And so it's it's when someone creates something and someone else appreciates it so much that they want to be part of it. 
So a, a brand appreciates a creator, a creator appreciates the brand and, and it drives sort of the flywheel. So when we, when we think about those three buckets and the tech that we're building around those three buckets, what we spend a lot of time doing is, is thinking about which customers fit, and which customers don't fit today. We don't have any issue with pipeline or demand in the space. What we have issue on is focus. So like what, what you said, you know, which, which customer do you, do you prioritize? We use those three buckets and we say, do, do they fit in at least two of those buckets, right? And do, does this opportunity, does this, does this potential really accelerate two of these three drivers? If it gets into two, then we'll seriously consider it. If, it, if it's only in one, partially in one, then we're like, yeah, it, it's, it's just not the right fit, right? It's just, it's just not what we want to do today, maybe in the future, but it, it's just not aligning up with what we're trying to do. Yeah, that's that's actually a very practical, I guess, framework you could even say. That you've got these three buckets and does it fit in at least two of them? I could see that helping make those decisions, especially when they, both paths probably seem equally good. How do you decide? It's, 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 it's tough, Ted, because I mean, some, somebody comes, some big customer comes in and says, hey, we want you to do this. And you, you, see, you see that they're a very large company and they've got access to millions of users and you know, and it maybe it accelerates you in a way that you, you know, you know, keeps your investors happy, right? But is it going to actually allow your team to build what you want to build and, and really address the, the main vision? So it's it's a give and take, you know, in the process, but but it helps us at least level set the initial initial decision, right? So I like it. So you talked before about this idea of how I heard you say it this way, maybe I misinterpreted it, but it sounded like you guys actually interview and recruit and vet and like as you go through the hiring process with this these ideas in mind the passion that you're looking for the mission is that true is this actually something that you're using as sort of that i don't want to say gating but let's just let's say gating like a gating function for how you figure out who's going to be a good fit to join the company and if so has that proven to be true yeah so for the most part yes no, nothing is 100 percent. but let me use an example so we were in the spring we were actively recruiting for a, a VP of growth, right? Someone who could actually come in and build out the structure of our growth team, a, a sales team, manage the success team. So needed to be the right person. We were interviewing and interviewing and interviewing, and we, we had three candidates we really liked, but yet I was still out on the trade show circuit and I was you know, doing my thing, talking to people and listening to customers. And I was in an event sitting next to some, you know, executives in, in the same space. And one of the, one of the guys just, I just started talking and very, very senior guy. And, you know, I, I never in my, in my brain thought that would, that this guy would join our company, our small little company, but I was sharing with him our vision, our mission, you know, what we're doing. And he calls me the next day and says, Aaron, you know, I'm super passionate about what you're doing. Can I join your company? And, and we were struggling a bit because we had been in an inter interviewing process for like a month and a half and nobody felt right. Right. And we, we had this, we had this filter, like this, we have to find somebody who's just extremely passionate about what we're trying to do so that maybe they're up a little bit on, or, you know, plus a little bit on some of the, some of the things we're looking for. Maybe they're a little bit, you know, deficient, some of the other things, but we want that passion piece in there. And we just weren't I mean, great candidates, but we just weren't feeling like that person was right. And here comes this guy and he just hits all the buttons. And, and, and I'm like, look, you know, I can't afford to pay you what you're making, but I'd love to have you come join the company. He says, I'll join. And it just, we were, you know, we could have made a decision earlier. We could have hired that person, one of those three candidates and, and got going, but we used our process and it worked. In other situations, we, we needed to fill a tech void very, very aggressively. And, and we, we, I would say the person met the, met the passion filter at a, at a base level, maybe not as much as I would have liked. But they 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 really really filled the tech void that we needed to, to to fill, and we felt like we made a good compromise. And it was a gut check, but we ended up it ended up being right. I mean, he he the, the person came along and 
ended up very quickly adopting our passion and, and, and got behind it. You know, we weren't quite sure, but we, we knew he would fill the tech void. So I love it. So we've, we've talked quite a bit today about why and how to build this sort of statement, right? And the second piece to this is how do we communicate it? So a company of any size is going to have challenges communicating, especially grand ideas, right? So what have you seen as the things you've done right or things that maybe you failed but learned from in terms of how to communicate now that you crystallize this idea, you're needing to communicate it internally, externally. What should people learn from your experience with that? Yeah, so this is probably one of the biggest mistakes I've made in, in, in the company is that we had an internal debate about how to communicate this. And, and one, one area was saying it's got to be user persona. Let's go out and get customers to use our product and show how it relates to our mission statement and, and let the customers lead the communication you know, for us. Let the, let the user persona sort of be prevalent. And then the other part was like, no, let's, let's, let's go out and market the product features and really aim at talking about what, you know, we've, you know, we've got all these really amazing product features in our, in our, in our tech and let's, let's promote those. And it was a really, really healthy debate. And we ended up deciding to, to talk about product features and it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake because every time a user would, would promote us in a social channel, we would see a huge uplift in users and, uh, and, and people coming to our site to get the product marketing piece it, it it worked, but it was all it was all through paid channels. So there was no real or organic growth there, and and so we're we're rapidly iterating a bit here, trying to get the 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 blend of product led marketing and user persona marketing, you know, in, uh, you know, into the right mix. But I, I, it was a it was a mistake. We should have leaned heavy on user personas in the beginning and let them tell our story. And we learned, right? I mean, we learned. I mean, we were you know we had very smart people in the room, both with with great backgrounds, you know, and we pivoted a bit. So. Well, I guess that's the, that's the truth about anything in business, right? How do we react and adapt to to our mistakes? How did you know that it was a mistake? It, it, just the numbers, the data. Uh, I mean, very quickly you could see, you know, we're spending X amount of money here on product marketing and the returns we were getting on the investment. And then the other side, we were spending very little, but you could see the the, the returns on the other side and they were being they were coming in better, right? So it was just the data sitting down looking at the data saying, look, this is working better, right? And but it takes time. It take it, it, you can't just pivot on a dime when it comes to you know, creating user personas that tell your story, right? So it, that was, it was a simple, a simple analysis. And luckily we have the right people in place to look at the data and, and the data told us, you know, we needed to pivot a bit. So love it. Pivot a lot. Sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, being, pivot a lot. I'm being kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing you talk about is communicating externally outside of the company from within the company to outside the company. What about communicating within the company? So whatever the sizes of the company, uh, different depart, even in small companies, it's sometimes difficult for, you know, one department, another department to communicate to each other. How have you communicated this? What's, what's a lesson learned from maybe a stumble or, or a success? Yeah. So this, this is, this is probably what keeps me up the most at night right now, because we hired this really good group of leaders, product engineering, marketing, growth partnerships, and they all came in and we, you know, we sat, so we sat down one-on-one -on -one and we went through and, and we really hammered out our vision, our mission statement with each individual, per, you know, leader. And then they went to their teams and they met with their teams and they all, you know, they all did it their own way, but they very quickly got their teams 
And we're a small company. So I'm not talking about hundreds of people, you know, 10, 15 people on a team, maybe 20 people on a team. We got them to, they got their teams very aligned, right? But what we didn't do was we, we, we have company all hands, we have meetings, but what we didn't do was communicate within the, the, we didn't bring all the teams together right away to communicate sort of a unified voice. So as the teams were communicating to each one of their, their, their groups, it was a little bit different. It was each each sort of each person put their own personal spin on it, right? And I wasn't thinking about it enough in the beginning, but it did create, you know, if you were to go around to the five different teams that we have and look at the groups and what they were hearing as it started to move around a bit, a bit of different communication arose right there. And I'm not, I'm not really good at explaining this, but it was very interesting to see that we weren't aligned. And so we needed to pull back a bit and say, look, we, we've got to make sure that all, all these teams are together so that we're all moving very quickly. And we, it wasn't like we were, it was like an 80, 80%, we were 80% right, but we, we needed that. We needed to get to like 95% right to really be super aligned. And so the, the, the lesson I learned was that it probably would have been much better if when one group lead went to talk to their team, if I had the other group lead sitting and listening and listening, and so they could align there. And then the next time that, you know, and always had sort of a, a sharing event where the group lead was presenting, but the other other ones were listening so that they could all make sure that they were delivering a very similar message uh, in, in their own style. And that was that was something that we learned. That's a, that's a pretty smart way to think about it. Yeah, like uh, it's almost as if you're talking about embedding people from, it's not exactly embedding people from departments with each other, but giving them that visibility is probably the best form of communication that you can have. I have a little nuance. I talk about respect a lot, right? Like Like you run a group, you run a team, respect the other teams. Don't assume you know what's going on in the other teams. So reach in, ask how you can help, respect them and see how it unlocks your team a bit, you know, because everybody has dependencies with other teams, right? So we, we, we talk a lot about respect and it's this culture of respect. It's not just the way, you know, it's used modernly. You respect everybody. You respect what other teams are doing. So it's something we think about a lot and talk about a lot in the company. So... That's a really fascinating idea, thinking about, I, I don't think people would be shocked about the idea of respecting others, but the way that you've described applying it, because I think that's a universal problem in every company, where people in one department, they see what's happening in another department, they're like, those idiots over there, right? And, and they just assume that they understand what's happening, but really it's maybe even the opposite of what they think. So the respect idea says, well, let's table that judgment until we can better understand what's happening. People have a people have a tendency to, to be protective and not be completely transparent if they don't feel they don't feel respected, right? So you see this like specifically some categories of people you hire for. Like when you when you hire somebody in the marketing or growth space, they come in with a with a process that's worked for them in the past. And they just want to layer that process on top of the business and say, let's go, right? The, let's let's get going. Let's, 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 let's kick ass here and move fast, right? And I'm like, listen, I, I want you to do all those things, but reach into the other teams, ask how you can help them. Ask for them to tell you what they're doing in their teams. Connect, respect, respect them enough to where they feel like that they can trust you and bring you in, right? And it's it's a it's a very interesting dynamic in our company because we we're not great, we're not perfect at it. We're not we're we're getting better at it every day. But you can you can see that when the leaders that are very respectful in how they operate and they reach in, you can see that their teams are moving faster, right? So you can't you can't deny the fact that it's working, even though you may not want to take the time to do. You, you, you just want to run your group, right, and and, and be super super a lot, you know, super focused on your group. But you have to have some. You have to have a, the ability to reach in and respect the other teams. So I love it, Aaron. You've been amazing. I've gotten so much 
benefit out of our conversation personally. I think our listeners will as well. Uh, as we wrap up, is there any last parting wisdom you want to leave our audience with? Well, I, I'd like to ask you one question before we leave, Ted. So you, from what I read about you, you're, you're an expert in, in sort of tech and security. And one of our biggest challenges is, is thinking about how, as a company, you create a, a security strategy or, sec, or security culture. And anything you could share with me about like how you approach that in, in a company like creating a security culture? Uh, obviously, I can hire somebody who's really smart in security systems and make sure their security is right. But how do you, how do you approach the culture piece from a security perspective? Yeah, the culture piece is hard because most people don't think security is their job. And so that's that's really the heart of the challenge is how do you help people feel personally related to the security challenge? And that starts from the top. So that's that's your job, certainly, is to communicate to others that security is my job, Aaron. And then what we want to do is we want to be able to make everybody feel personally related to it. And so there's basically like three questions that every company needs to think about when they think about their security, which is first, what do we have that we want to protect? So is that data or is it the availability of our system? Is it our reputation? Like, what, what do we care about? Uh, the second is who do we want to defend against? Like, who are the different groups that might want those things we're trying to protect? And then the third is where and how will we be attacked? And once you can understand the combination of those things, then you can build a defense plan. And having that is, I think we could take a lot of the principles you expressed today about developing the vision and then communicating the vision. It would be applied pretty much the same way when it comes to security. Yeah, that's, that's great. Good, good way of thinking about it. Um, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, happy to. We, we could talk more about it offline yeah, too. Love, love to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show. We really, really appreciate you. Thanks, Ted. Great, great talking to you. If everybody wants to know what Aaron is up to or to learn more about the show, just head over to tedharrington.com backslash podcast, and we'll catch you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. 